Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. I'm Merriman, and you're listening to You Haven't Heard This Music Podcast. Hello, and welcome to You Haven't Heard This Music Podcast. This is a podcast about lesser-known artists and lesser-known bands and songs we think you should really check out. This is episode 16 of season 3, and as always on the show, I'm joined by Rich. Say hello, Rich. Hiya. Hiya. And say hello, Neil. Hi, mate. All right, Neil. How's it going? All right? Oh, oh not too bad. I feel, I, feel, I feel like everybody's really subdued tonight. Everybody seems <laughs> it's to the weather. really lethargic. We're in the middle of Storm Ellen, and he's just kicking our asses. That's what it is. In the um, middle of Storm Ellen, in the middle of a pandemic. It's just, just oh. <laughs> In 2020, what could possibly go wrong? Enter Godzilla. <laughs> As always on the show, we have a special guest, and, and this week's special guest is uh, Merriman. Say hello, Merriman. Hello. How's it going? Not too bad, not too bad. Where are you in the world, mate? Uh, Stoke-on-Trent. Stoke-on-Trent. Not far, just up the road then, from where we are uh, in the middle. They don't have an accent in Stoke. Oh, we do. You just like you're the closest to normal speak in England, I think. It's like, no, nobody's going to try and do your accent because you don't really have one. We're quite quite central, so I guess it mixes the whole thing. It's a bit of everything, isn't it? It's the original one, isn't it, really? (laughs) (laughs) Have we even got... No, we're not going to that. Uh, as always on the show, we're a podcast of four rounds, and uh, we always start with the head-to-head. The head-to-head is where the three of us, me, Richie, and Neil, bring a song that uh, has been sent to us through the submissions, and we a song we found that we really like. We put them head-to-head, and then our special guest, Merriman, decides which one is his, uh, is his favourite. This week, I shall be bringing Killer Cartoons by Along Came Shifty. Rich, what song are you bringing? Dum Dum Gun by... Um tell you in just a second <laughs> you bastard you grapefruit sound lab very good featuring let's see who that is don't worry about who's featuring he's got one of the names that's enough for now <laughs> featuring sarah norton very good norton and norton with Neil. a n-a-u-g-h-t norton norton yeah and now what song are you bringing if your head's ahead i'm bringing the tearaways with their new release charlie keith and ringo very good, and we'll have a listen to them, have a chat about the songs, and uh, and then Merriman will choose his favourite. The scores on the doors at the moment is Rich racing ahead with nine. I'm on four, and Neil is on two. So uh, Wayne's in. been Wayne's been uh, very strategic this week. He's bought some uh, spoken word. Well, it's funny you're saying I've been really strategic. I didn't realise Merriman was coming on. He might not even like my song anyway. Let's let's get, let's get to that in a minute anyway. <laughs> after that, after that, we, we, digress. we move after, ahead. After that, we go to our still shiny and new section, which is the wild card section. This is a section of the show where we pick a submission at random, and for the first time live on the show, we have a listen to it. So it could be. One of the best songs we've ever heard, which in the case a couple of weeks ago, we had uh, an absolute couple of corking songs over the last couple of episodes. Or it could be 
what Richard likes to refer to as dog shit. So stay tuned for that. <laughs> After that, we go on to Neil's, Neil's favourite round, which is the Intense Hardcore Genre Musical Challenge Mode Go section. On the last episode, Cyber Monday challenged myself to go and find the music of Jingle. So I shall be bringing the song from the Hovis advert, if you know that one, and we'll have a talk about that, and I'll give you some facts and figures. And then, as always, we finish up the show with the Artist Spotlight, which is all about Merriman, and Merriman's song that he's bringing this week, which is the Blue Rinse Brigade, and we'll have a chat about what's been going on, or not been going on, as the case may be. Well, we'll find out all later. Have I have I hit all the highlights, boys? think so. I think you have. News. Do you have any news? Just want to say thank you to everybody that participated in the festival we did a couple of weeks ago it'll be a couple of weeks ago by the time this goes out unfortunately i think due to the fact that we're not locked down as bad as we were the first time and people can get out it wasn't quite as popular and it didn't yeah I, th- I think the whole th- it was kind of new new the first time and it was exciting and now it's like it's all been done and everybody just wants to go to a normal festival now i want to go to a normal festival don't we all yeah absolutely we raised a bit of money for a good charity and it was all right it was good it's good and we had some good artists so thank you everyone who participated yeah right then so shall we move along with the show So we move on to the first round of uh, of the show, which is the head to head. Rich won as always. I think that's the, that's the case this season. It's Rich won as always on the last uh, I think on the last it's show. It's going to be a difficult one this week. Uh, so, uh, Rich, you can go first. Tell us all about your song. Go for it. Okay. Well, you listen to the song first before I say anything about it. But this is "Dum Dum Gun" by Grapefruit Sound Lab.
dum dum gun. Boom boom bang, another bullet goes bang. When you hear the sound, it's making everyone who's busy shaking. When they're in it for the ratings and the revenue, it's a black powder boom in a flower child's room. Jersey-based Grapefruit Sound Lab has brought a surprising twist to his unique brand of electronica with this departure track of his upcoming upcoming album, Eight Days Across America. Dum Dum Gun is a reflective, focused departure from GSL's usual driving house beats and synth-heavy sound, taking influence from medieval folk music, classical solfeggios, and collaborating vocalist Sarah Norton. Pitch perfect, Sarah Norton's pitch perfect tone. His unique single relays a stark lyrical message coughed in beautiful, beautiful music. Coughed in. Couched in beautiful music. Inspired by classical American patriotic songs as well as. as well. Fuck off, Rich. <laughs> Inspired by classic American patriotic songs and well suited for folk festivals and peace gatherings, Dum Dum Gun was written in response to the senseless gun violence plaguing America. From the artist, the melody for Dum Dum Gun came to me in a dream. It was an instant earworm that had to be dealt with. I was visualising a medieval puppet king being taken far too seriously by the subjects. Sauntering by only to be laughed at from behind. I also wanted at some point to compose something in this realm. So it seemed like I was being handed a celestial opportunity. Opportunity, In my own mind, the homemade solfeggio of Boom Boom Bang helped the lyrics flow. This is mixing classical music with pop music in a, in a way, I think. Not like 
pop music you usually hear on the radio, but it feels kind of pop to me. But it's done in a play, very playful way. It's very well constructed. I love the the drum beat, the um, the star when he goes. Uh, Very clean. Very, it's not. There's no production on it, but it's really clean. But then it comes in later with that uh, that marching beat, and the 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 bongos was obviously done by him or by someone working with him in a studio. But the marching beat sounded sampled, which I thought was interesting. It might not have been, but it did sound sampled. Although it's it's just really interesting the way it's been put together and. The, in, yeah, just love it. Merriman. Yeah, yeah. So I'm a, I'm a big Beatles fan. For me, that was very reminiscent of you know the Beatles song for no one. Um, yes. That's that's quite similar as in it uses a lot of kind of classical backing for a very pop melody. Like for no one, it's a song that it's one of my Beatles favourites kind of thing, and and that was very reminiscent of it. I really enjoyed the playful melody with the classical backing, really simply constructed, and I really enjoyed that song. I thought it was great. I really, really enjoyed it. Yeah. Go on then, Neil. Very, very, very interesting song. I mean, it's clearly a protest song. I mean, the description you read out, they, they're addressing the, the issue of gun violence. And I think it's very easy for protest songs to sort of fall into, you know, a formula of either being really angry. Like, anarchistic, you know, like Anarchistic or, you know, rage against the machine type thing. Or, you know, it's like you've got to drive home your point. But this is... This kind of drives home the point in a really, I think the word playful has been used a few times. It's like, you know, in a, re- a really gentle, subtle way, but that kind of makes it more effective. It almost uh, lo- comes across like a nursery rhyme. Yes. I love the way she delivers that uh, boom, boom, bang line. And it's like, oh, it's brilliant, isn't it? She's so deadpan and so like, it just sounds so normal. It's like, how hey, you can do that without cracking up? It's, it just flows beautifully. Um, yeah, I, I, I liked it a lot. And I, you know, I like the message of it, you know, the, the bit where they sort of go into attacking the corporation who are sort of profiting off gun sales and all the rest of it. And it, it kind of subtly wor- it goes around it you know, everything, and then you kind of end up at the end with that thing about the um, the million megaton gun, you know, and it's, it's kind of like it brings it into the whole sort of nuclear position maybe i don't know but it 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 addresses a lot in a very sort of subtle way without without you really having having to think about it i I like Mm, there was a line in it and i can't think what the line is now but in uh, the the end of this the um the line it didn't 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 quite work properly for me and i can't think what the word was and it'll yeah, there's, there's, a, there's, a, there's a word in it. it she, she kind of extended the word to make it fit the. Um... There's a lot of stuff in there that really shouldn't work, but does. It just comes yeah. together brilliantly, and, and that's part of its charm, I think. Yeah, Wayne. Um, yeah, I think this is a really good song. I, I mean, my favourite protest songs are always folk songs. Folk songs are. It's because they're earnest and they're they're being. I don't want to take away from punk and say punk is an intelligent way of attacking a system, but I feel like folks doing it in a more gentle way and trying to provoke a thought rather than it being shoved down your throat, you sort of join that that movement. And the first time I listened to this, I, I didn't... when you say when Wayne, when you say it like that, it's like punk is coming to the system and demanding and forcing and you know. Whereas this is going, um, if you don't mind, could you? Would it be okay if you please stop doing that? Where you, no one's going to take that serious. Perhaps I'm not. I think they kind 
they kind of present their point in a sensible way. It's yeah. where, where Punk is telling you what what's going on. This is saying this is what's going on, and if you think about it, you'd agree. That's that's what I was trying to say. Yeah, it, it's, you know. it's like okay. you listen to this song. How can you argue with the message? Yeah, I mean, I, how can how can anybody listen to that and then walk away and go, you know what? I want to, I want to shoot people. It's, it's already it's already been mentioned. You know, the the, the fairy tale. Um, sorry, the nursery rhyme. I got fairy tale sort of melodic quality from it. You know, with a with a classical folk feel. You know, and, and the medieval feel. You know, um, the, the the line that I absolutely love in this song is it's the middle eight where she sings thoughts and prayers from the fake chairs of the billionaires. That is so oh, poignant, yeah. that is, because yeah. you see it all the time on, you know, so a tragedy happens and sending thoughts and prayers, even to the point now where it's become quite, you know, it's quite a, a joke thing to do or a joke thing, you know, it's of sending thoughts and prayers, you know, 10 what, million thoughts people. Thoughts and prayers. Thoughts, yeah, and, thoughts prayers. and prayers, exactly, yeah. And I think that line is so, it's just scathing. You know, like, like you say, it's attacking the people who are causing this problem in the first place and then not doing anything about it. So, yeah. Uh, Apart from sending thoughts. Uh, yeah, prayers. of course, sending thoughts and prayers. Absolutely. We, we, we've got to recognise that they do that. <laughs> yeah. Um, and the other thing I got was it, it feels like it's um, this could be played in a, um, a Jane Austen adaptation. You know, and they have the, the like the formal ball at the the big house and they do the, like, the, the, the formal dance. It's that sort of jolly, bouncy... Sort of feel, you know, where where the, that that moment a bit happens. Downton Abbey-ish. Down not down, you know, pretty more before that, like hundred years before that, you know, sort of early Victorian era, that sort of thing. But yeah, very lo-fi in its recording of the music. I feel like this was done in several different locations. You know, it's not done in a studio, obviously, because this has been released quite recently. Um, but isn't it, according to his bio, he's, he's more of an electronic artist usually. Yeah, so, so that's even more impressive to step away so from it, that it, genre. It probably, probably, probably was right when I said that the uh, marching beat sounded sampled. Mm. Might have been sampled. I mean, it, if it was more produced, it wouldn't be it wouldn't be a bad thing. But I, I really like it the way it is as well. It's it's a really interesting yeah, charm. Yeah, yeah. I, th- I think it needed to be clean because it's it's that. That medieval sound. If you start producing a medieval sound, it stops being medieval. Yeah. Um, if you know what I mean. I've got to say about um, you were saying about uh, the way she sings something. It really works for me because she doesn't do all the usual um, bells and whistles. Some of her, her vocal is intentionally moving in a different direction. It's more sort of modern folk, and I really like that. Yeah, really good song. Cool. Spent. Bent. Anything else to say? Nope. Who next? Have you got a guitar, Merriman? I do have a guitar in this room, yes. <laughs> oh, I, th- I thought I'd just heard you pluck one. No, no, I think that was my phone buzzing. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> it's Neil next, mate. <laughs> Isn't Neil next? Okay, yes. Neil, take it away. Right, so I'm bringing the song Charlie, Keith and Ringo by the Tearaways. So this is Charlie, Keith and Ringo by the Tearaways. Enjoy. Play this tongue 
That was the Tearaways with uh, Charlie, Keith and Ringo. And I'll say straight off the bat, it's on a shame, Neil music. Oh, damn it, you took my, you I, stole my thunder, Neil. Damn it. <laughs> I, well, you know, I, I have no shame in that. It's, I tend to flip between two sort of opposite polar extremes. And you bring... did when you compare it to last week's song. Well, yeah, I'll, I'll either bring I'll either bring something that's really out there and unusual and sort of um, piques my interest because it's because of its randomness, or I will bring stuff that I love, which tends to be formulaic rock music, and this is stuff that I love. I mean, I, I was listening to it while washing up. Yeah, I like this. It, it kind of reminds me of a sort of a sort of a early nineties REM kind of like you know the uh, the Green Album out of time and uh, mm-hmm. and Rachel. Ch- uh, um, chipped in with oh to me it sounds like a more grungy version of the Beatles to which I said as I said it reminds me of a sort of early 90s R.E.M. and it, yeah it's just it's, I mean it's, it's just it's just unashamed good rock music it, I mean we're talking a bit about sort of festival songs I could imagine you know this puts me in mind of, of festivals you know, particularly sort of more rock-based festivals. It, it just is what it is. It's it's very enjoyable. The, uh, the lyrically, it's it's just a massive tribute to drummers. Basically, the the, um, the title uh, Charlie Keith and Ringo refers to two of the most legendary drummers of all time, and the chap who used to um, narrate hey. Thomas the Tank Engine. <laughs> There he goes, all right, wasn't he? I'm a Beatles fan as well, Mary. Remember, you, you got to admit, Ringo was. I he, disagree. He I dis- as a drummer, I disagree. Ringo <laughs> did exactly what he needed to do. He did, to be fair. that shit, they wanted to, they wanted to replace the previous drummer with him. Yeah, and they were they were so high at some at some point, so even going to sing a few songs. Oh, didn't don't you they? dare steal <laughs> Bill Hicks jokes, Neil? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah, no, uh, no. So yeah, three three legendary drummers. Interestingly, the Tearaways were founded in Santa Barbara, California, in 1981. Apparently, they've toured the United Kingdom 15 times, uh, released several records. But this this particular record, it's from uh, an upcoming EP called Four from Floor. It features Rock and Roll Hall of Famer Clem Burke, who was. Uh, drummer with Blondie and has played in the Tearaways uh, since 2016 and toured the UK with the band uh, a couple of times so uh, I don't know if that's maybe what influenced the whole drummer vibe but yeah I think I mean I think the, the, the drumming on this is absolutely brilliant uh, and he's, he's done a good job of re- there's a bit at the end where he, re- he really captures the um, the spirit of uh, Keith Richards uh, not Keith Richards Keith Moon. Keith Moon that was it yeah Keith, Keith Richards obviously guitarist from the start there's like a real there's a whole Keith Keith Richards bit at the end where a bit of uh, John Entwistle type bass comes in as well and it kind of shifts into the whole who kind of thing I was getting the who yeah I think I think I was getting sort of like early 90s soft grunge with a throwback to the who mm. but yeah I, I, I loved it so um, Rich what do you think it's all, it's all, it's all of them, isn't it? It's Beatles meets Dave Clark Five meets The Who meets The Stones, and then just bundle them up into one song. It's, it, it's, it's very sixties, seventies. It's, it's, it's not a song that would do well today if it was released, but it's, it's just a fun song. It's a good song. I enjoyed it a lot. Very reminiscent of that time. Yeah, it, it, it's nothing new. I mean, you was on about how good the drumming is. It's, it's just, there's a few rolls in it, but it wasn't special. It was good, you know. But just, just very well structured. Yeah, it's just a good rock song. Like you said about Ringo, it does. He did, did exactly what he needed to do. Exactly, yeah, yeah, yeah. Precisely. 
Who's next? Merriman. 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 Yeah, so I really like this song for two reasons. First reason is I'm a massive fan of kind of like 60s pop and drumming especially, I'd say it's reminiscent of that. But I think the other thing that, that really struck me was... was and you've said it, you said it yourselves, that 90s grunge influence. For me, it sounds very Pixies, like really yeah. Pixies, especially in the in the harmonies that they hit. Like when they're all singing together, there's like an almost there's this like slightly minor element to the harmony that makes it so Pixies. And and what I like is there's a contrast because the 60s music is always like really kind of major key, like um, really saccharine kind of pop, and then you've got this harmony. That's all. That's quite minor, and it and it contrasts and make it gives it an edge where really there shouldn't be an edge, and that's what I like about it. So for me, like listening to that, I thought, um, well, well, I really like it because it mixes such different kind of genres that that kind of like minor key grunge with saccharine sixties pop, and and I'm I'm bang into it, you know. And, and, that, for me, that that's what that, that's what stood out. Mm-hmm. Go on, Wayne. Oh, I mean, there's not much really left to say. You guys have covered it all, really. The only thing really I've got is for me, it's it's creating more a '60s garage rock vibe with some surf rock in there as well, and and some of the vocal, the way the way it's done, reminds me of the Beach Boys. I mean, loosely, but it, it, yeah, I it puts me, it puts me in mind of the Beach Boys. Guitar wise, I mean, very summery. Yeah, the, the the one thing that's a bit upsetting is the drums are quite formulaic. And I don't know if that's on purpose because those guys were in in those bands. And to be honest, less De- definitely Keith Moon. I mean, he, he's yeah. about as unformulated as they come. There's not there, there's not much in those. You know, I mean, like like you say, oh, Keith Moon. I would like. Are to... you talking about the bloke who once damaged his hearing by blowing up a drum kit with explosives? <laughs> yeah. There's no point in doing a song about three drummers and then. Producing a polyrhythm or like a, a, a two-three beat, which, which is something they were known for. You know, it's, them, them doing what the, the drummers were known for. Yeah. it's kind of like a tribute to them. Perhaps that's that's, that's what it is. I mean, the guitars are, are really nice. The, the guitars sound like um, Iggy Pop and the Stooges on Passenger. They've got that sort of growly oh. sound to it. Which uh, was really nice. I, I knew Neil would love the bass bit at the end. In fact, I thought that's why you brought the, the song in the first place. Neil, as oh, soon as yeah, I got yeah. to him, he's fucking loving this. <laughs> that's what he's doing. I mean, but it's almost like I love the way it comes in. Almost as a bit of a sorry to interrupt, way, but it comes in like almost an afterthought. It's like, oh yeah, let's 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 let's, let's talk a bit of John Ed whistling. It is. It is a nice part of the song. I like that. I mean, you could really just call this song "Drummers Are Nice," aren't they? You know what I mean? It's, <laughs> it's that sort of thing. I didn't realise until listening to it back then, actually, that uh, he, he mentions other drummers as well. I thought it was sort of fixated with those particular three drummers, but there's all they mentioned Elvis's drummer and Buddy Holly's mm. drummer, and um, there's a line Bruce had Max, which I assume is uh, Max Weinberg from the uh, East Street Band, Bruce Springsteen. Well, there you go. Yeah, nice, nice song. Yeah, it, it is just a tribute to drummers, sixties and seventies drummers, rather than anything yeah. up it's to nothing bra- It's nothing. It's nothing. It's nothing groundbreaking. I, I mean, obviously, you think Merriman that. It's different in the way that it's got a grunge feeling to it. That was yeah, I, th- from I the think 90s. two genres are merged there in in a slightly different way. Because I, I binge on sixties pop, and you don't get that minor kind of like a chord structure in the harmony. Didn't you get that in like some of the the, the later Beatles stuff when they did you know the second part of their work? You do, but but I I say that the, the kind of like the rest of the songs kind of mirrored it. With the Beatles, like they became much more kind of minor key, and 
you know, the I'm so tired and rain and all that kind of stuff came. The, the whole song became more minor. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Are we spent? Okay. Yeah, so we all spent. I think so, yeah. Right then. Your turn then. We should move on to me then, right? Okay, so I, uh, for my song this week, I'm bringing a band called Along Came Shifty and their song Killing Cartoons. Enjoy. <laughs> Best me to share with Boo Boo So I'm Scooby-Doo and force-feed him Every character from Looney Tunes So who are you? Just another cartoon I need to kill Slipping the pill to boy the king of the hill Man, this shit is ill And then I'll pile that twat Arthur with the largest bat Decapitate Rupert the bear But leave the scarf attached So the Myers Popeye's wife With the proper pipe But I got a high gun poppers Because she's proper tight And Gromit's got a die Because he smoked all my cheese And Willis in the corner like I swear down there was Honestly, who the fuck you cartoons trying to fool? Because it's me, Mr. Litherbrate. I'll put you on my dinner plate. Last scene, killing cartoons. Slapping up mud while strapping large boots. Because it's true, Litherbrate kills cartoons. I'm going to shoot the little mermaid with seven cartoons. Yeah, I kill cartoons too. I was stabbing up Bob whilst cracking large brews. Because it's true, author kills cartoons. I'm going to cut the brakes on every wacky racing car loose. Rats and up crack, Pinocchio or broke nose Drop top cat and hang Woody from his own rope Crash a magic school bus and truck and if it happens Put Charlie Brown in Papa's bike to puff the magic dragon And fuck the free bears, I throw a rock at Goldilocks I told her not to eat my fucking porridge and she stole the lot That silly nearly got all savage and decay When I chuck a cup of acid in her face I hold a gap to Bozeman Pat's cat And I blow the twat, load his van with loads of gas And throw a match to blow it back well, I cut your fingers off and stick them to your wrinkly face. I'll obliterate every cartoon your kids watch. Ripping the lippy bits, stop. Sick doctors, living a big dog. I'm bending a sick plot to tear them up. I get Peter Pan hooked on fairy dust till his head erupts. When they found Nemo, man, I was so pissed. I hope Rosie don't swim in gyms, narrow rope sinks. Casper the ghost is trapped in my drippy pen. A poor plant killer in the plant pots of Bill and Ben. Last scene, killing cartoons. Slapping up mud while strapping large boobs Cause it's true, little rape kills cartoons I'm gonna shoot the little mermaid with seven harpoons Yeah, I kill cartoons too I was stabbing up Bart whilst cracking large brews Cause it's true, author kills cartoons I'm gonna cut the brakes on every wacky racing car loose I'll flip and kick a little kitten in the head Not a cartoon, but fuck it I'll still kick it till it's dead Ripped to shreds And stuff it down Peter Griffin's neck Until it's screaming neck Can you help me? I'm a bleeding mess Who is next? Let me think Hmm, I'll take my pick I'll drop a lot of heavy bombs onto Tom and Jerry So what is scarier than me? Entering your screen and pretending to be A presenter on the CBBC Shit, lit has done it again I've killed enough animations in the gulliest ways Enough rages, I'm gripping a bar stool Hey, Arnold Fuck you, Kung Fu, move to your front tooth I bust through, bedrock, here to make your head nod Cloud nine and literate in search of the best props I smoked summer Popeyes, pot and I was not high He must have clocked that I put my cock in his hot wife 
Last scene killing cartoons, slapping up mud while strapping large boots. Cause it's true, little brain kills cartoons. I'm gonna shoot the little mermaid with seven harpoons in her face. Yes, I kill cartoons too. I'm a stabbing up butt whilst cracking large screws. Cause it's true, author kills cartoons. I'm gonna cut the brakes on every wacky racing car loose. So that was Killing Cartoons by Along Came Shifty from the Bees EP, which is their most recent release. So Along Came Shifty are a nine-piece live hip-hop band from Brighton formed in 2013, combining intricate beats, soulful melodies and thought-provoking lyrics. They captivate audiences with their frenetic live shows. Um, Let's start by saying this is a very strange song. You know, I don't know what possessed these guys to go out and say, let's write a song about killing... You know, every cartoon you grew up with or cartoons that are out now in the most hideous ways possible and ingenious ways of trying to kill cartoons. But let's start with, A, you can't physically kill a cartoon because they don't exist. So these... And I'll get to a point in a second. Pardon? Well, I'm just just saying, you could kill a cartoon if you own... If you're its creator or you own the intellectual property... Um, or you and, kill the creator well yeah same difference yeah I mean the, the graphic detail they go into you know it starts a song by saying I'm going to give a Yogi Bear and Boo Boo crack and it's a bit like wow okay that, that's a fucking that's a fucking weird picnic straight away isn't it that Jesus and then he's going to force feed all of the Looney Tunes to Scooby Doo which was some sort of weird fucking seven moment for me that was he's going to tie Scooby Doo up and force feed fucking Speedy Gonzales into his mouth <laughs> so yeah, it's it's a very strange song, and all I can think of is it's. I think it's a sort of play on getting very high, and having these weird moments where you're sort of watching cartoons and going, oh, I could fucking kill Velma, I could from Scooby Doo, no worries, I could pull her arms off, you know, and then shooting the Little Mermaid seven times in the face with a harpoon, you know, it's it's an ingenious song that. in the way they fit all these things in, and it rhymes. But the music behind it is fucking brilliant. You know, it's it's, it's the sort of ska punk with, with a bit of hip-hop in there as well. It's, it all merges really well. Um, the guest vocalist on this, by the way, so uh, is a guy called... Um, I think it's illiterate. Yeah, it's illiterate. I can't read my own writing, which is hilarious because it's illiterate. Um, yeah, I mean, it's really well produced. It's got that lovely blend, like I say, of, of all the genres. And... Like I say, I think the song is just... I mean, it's so out there, and I love the fact of... The way they come up with ingenious ways of killing these cartoon characters off. It's fucking strange. Um, Neil? Yeah, um, well, you said what possessed somebody to uh, write a song like this. I'll tell you exactly what possessed somebody to write a song like this, because I can relate to it. Too much fucking sea babies. (laughs) I mentioned CBeebies in the in the song as well. They do, yeah. As a parent to two young kids who constantly want to watch all of these ridiculous programmes, Octonauts and Gojetters and all that crap. It's just like, yeah, I just want to, I just want to massacre them all. 
Um, and I think I think he's, he's gone from that point to sort of going back then and sort of like looking at his childhood. And you know, he kind of mentions Tom and Jerry. You know, he mentions like cartoon characters that. Um, Postman Pat. I mean, yeah, there's a, there's, a, there's a new Postman Pat now, but he he flies like a private jet and stuff. He's gone all weird. He's, um, gone, he's gone all commercial. Postman Pat's yeah, Postman Pat's special delivery service. You know, it's a patch on the original. But uh, yeah, and Scooby Doo and things like that. Yogi Bear and wanting to cut the brakes of the wacky races. All of that. <laughs> uh, it's just like I mean, there's just some lines that are absolutely brilliant. I, mean, I love the bit when he just randomly starts saying about wanting to kick. Kitten yeah, not or even a cat, a... and he's like, he's like, it's not even a cartoon, but I'll leak it to a cartoon. I'll shove it down Peter Griffin's throat <laughs> <laughs> and, and fuck oh. the three bears. <laughs> it's just like yeah. and the, 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 my favourite line in the whole song was a bit where he says, "When they found Nemo, I was pissed." <laughs> That's a great line. <laughs> <laughs> it's absolutely brilliant. Oh. It's just like, yeah, it's like you know, kind of shooting the little mermaid in the face with a harpoon seventeen times. It's, yeah, it's, 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 a, yeah, it's horrendously graphic. It's kind of realistic. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it, it's, it's I got to tell, I love the fact that Rich has brought an anti-gun song this week, and you've brought a gangster rap song against cartoons. <laughs> I never thought of like that. <laughs> you couldn't make this up. It's, oh, yeah. Dear. I, I love this song. I thought it was absolutely brilliant. It made me laugh. I had to, I had to listen to it several times, and you know, I was getting something new from it every time. Yeah, yeah. So back to old cartoons, today, yeah. and oh, yeah, there's so much depth in there, and so much nostalgia. I mean, you know, he mentions uh, olive oil being hot a few times, and yeah, who, who didn't think that as a kid? Right, <laughs> Merriman. <laughs> yeah, so I like the the lyrical niche. I'm into that. I enjoy that, but I'm a, I'm not a fan of funk bass. Uh, so, so that that turns me off a bit, and I, I don't like angry songs actually. Like, I, I appreciate that like people like people are angry, and, and music's a great form of expression. And if you're angry, you're angry, and I, I get that. But like for me, that that song, I just think like if you're gonna be angry, be angry at something else. Um, so, <laughs> so something worth being angry at. Yeah, yeah. Rather than cartoons. I'm I'm into Bob Dylan being angry at you know the whole kind of like uh, Vietnam War and you know the movements and all that kind of stuff. Uh, but um, yeah, you, 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 sorry to interrupt, Raymond. You haven't spent a morning watching CBeebies, have you? <laughs> well, you, you say that, but I have a, <laughs> I have two kids who are one and four respectively. Uh, so right. uh, <laughs> yeah, same age I, as mine. I've watched a lot of CBeebies over the last, um, well, four years. So uh, <laughs> my, my CBeebies opinion is probably as valid as, as anyone's. Yeah. But yeah, I don't, I don't think, I don't sit there thinking, right? If I get a good funk bass line, I'm going to kill them all off. <laughs> so I, I, I get, I get where it's coming from, but for me. It's it's not the way I'd, I'd, I kind of like harness that energy. I think, I think one of the things for me is this song is so out the box as well. It's so far out the box. Yeah. You know, who comes up with an idea? Let's let's have this really incredible, well structured song around killing cartoon character. You know, killing off your nostalgia is basically what you're doing. You know, I mean, the, the bit with Mrs. Goggins where he says, "I'll cut your fingers off and celebrate <laughs> your wrinkly face." It's fucking hell. That's dark, isn't it? <laughs> You see, I almost wonder if it's a, it's a bit of a Mickey take. So, sorry, uh, yeah. I always wonder if it's a bit of a Mickey take on uh, on the whole gangster rap thing, and it's kind of like Perhaps. it's almost poking fun. 
It's almost poking fun at people who glorify drive-by shootings and things like that. It, it, it could you be. Know, let's, let's, put, let's, let's put it into a fictional context. And the, the, There's you... a really niche song that I remember from um, about 10 years ago by a guy called Chris Foster. He was like a Lancaster-based songwriter. And it was called Dale Winton. And it was all about <laughs> Dale Winton kind of like losing it and just like <laughs> going across the BBC and killing everyone. <laughs> like it, it, like th- this. This is the same kind of song. So I mean, if you want to like kind of wind the history books back by it's about ten years, search for a song called Dale Winton by Chris Foster, and he literally goes across the BBC and just takes everyone out, Bill Oddie and all them. They're, <laughs> they're gone. I'll have a look at that. Okay, check that out, like you know. This is not the first time I've heard of some kind of like BBC massacre <laughs> of um, beloved characters. Mm, Rich didn't do it for me I'm afraid Wayne um, I struggled with it I want, it was meant to be a funny song and I understand you found it funny but and I, I think I've got a decent sense of humour but did it make me laugh out loud and if I'm going to listen to a funny song it needs to make me laugh it didn't make me laugh and, and you said exactly what I was thinking Neil it's just taking the piss out of the genre gangster rap and there, there are some good songs that have, I mean don't get me wrong there's some absolute dog shit out there but there's some good songs that have come out of the gangster rap scene and this is just taking the piss out of it and I, I, it's clever you know the way that they've, they've, with the lyrics and the way they've worded it and the flow and everything but wasn't for me I'm afraid I, I don't think it's taking the, 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 the piss out of the genre so much it's taking the piss out of people who glorify violence which to be honest I think there's no place for personally you're probably right, but um, it just wasn't my cup of tea. I mean, to be honest, none of their other songs sound anything like this. This is this is one that is really out of the box. The, the rest of them are quite, you know, for, not formulaic, but, you know, of a ordinary sort of vocal, lyrical content. Whereas this one, is, is that's why it stood out for me, because it's so fucking random, you know, and, and the, way, <laughs> the way they shoot one them all in is really good. So anyway, are we all spent? I think so. I think so, yeah. Right, okay then, so we move on to the all-important verdict. So, uh, Merriman, if you could tell us, what is your favourite song this week? Right, so, Charlie, Keith and Ringo ticked every box that um, I'd usually look for in a piece of music that I'd like. But Dum Dum Gum was, was the song that stood out for me, so I'm picking that one. I just enjoyed it so much. I think that it's great. That surprises me. I thought, I, I thought Neil, Neil would, uh, stole, would have stole this one. Yeah, it, yeah, I, I can see that because like Charlie, Keith, and George ticked so many boxes. Like if I'm producing a song myself, like I, I go for all of the things that happen in that song. But Dum Dum Gum for me, it's just such a good song, and it's delivered in such a simplistically brilliant way that I think it it just steals the march. I'll take that. <laughs> right, congratulations, yeah, worthy winner, I'd say. Yeah, yes, absolutely. Yeah. So um, he went, went straight to my playlist as soon as I heard it. Right, we, so. we, we might as well just quit now, Wayne. <laughs> um, so congratulations to Rich he moves, he moves further away yeah. on 10 now this time so uh, yeah if you like Rich's song uh, Dum Dum Gun by the Grapefruit Sound Lab go and check that out also check out uh, Neil's song by the Terraways Charlie Keith and Ringo and obviously check out my song on Came Shifty and the song Killer Cartoons we shall now move on to the wild card section Wild card, Wayne. I don't. Do you want me to tell you what it is? 
The Wild Card is a section of the show where we bring a song that has been sent to us through the submissions and we're going to pick it completely at random and nobody has any idea what, what it is and then we're going to talk about it and it could be it could be great, it could be less than adequate, it could be, you know, awful. Mm. And let's see what happens. So I'm going to flick through the submissions, through the thousands of submissions. At some point you're going to say stop if you would be so kind, Merriman. And I am flicking... Stop. Okay. Okay, so we have sent to us from Kevin Vamp Murray. He's a PR guy who sends us stuff. He sent us Lowly Cavalry. It's Cavalry by Lowly, a single. Hi, guys. Neoclassical composer and songwriter Lowly is releasing her new single, Cavalry, on June the 26th. So, so that's already mm-hmm. out. Mixing styles of contemporary classical piano with haunting, impactful vocals, stirring string arrangements and delicate percussion. Oh, I like La- the sound of this. Lowly, a.k.a. Roisin? Rasheen. R-O-I-S-I-N. Yeah, Rasheen. That's what I meant. Rasheen Lowry <laughs> creates an intricate fragile space for the listener to fall into yeah what else does it say about her there could uh, yeah there's, there's more stuff we'll leave her links in the show notes so if you like this you might like her other work so you can go and check her out so yeah this what I'm about to play which we haven't heard yet is Cavalry by Lowly Lowly <laughs> We've lost, it's done Wishes from the end line and us Gone to forward in the cloak And they were right though when they said We'll be coasting on the skyline like dust Scattered in the light Here we are, a cavalry is falling 
about human vulnerabilities. Lowry's lyrics centre on the feelings of powerlessness and accompany a defeat, the challenges of waking up to a new and unwanted normal, the neoclassical elements at play in her recent instrumental Worlds Above Us and Further Purpose has been to act with... Yeah, I'd leave it all in the... There's a lot there. Um... (laughs) (laughs) Fucking ain't reading. This was interesting. It, I felt it was mixing, cla- well, neoclassical, classical, with kind of Celt- Celtic. Uh, she, she had like a, I don't know if she, she's Irish. I'd, I'd need to find out. But she sounded kind of Celtic. It sounded like a, she had a Celtic vibe to, to the vocals. But the drums, even though they're only four four, had a jazz feel. And it was like those mixing classical with jazz and with and the kind of like a Celtic pop. It was very interesting. It was a sound. It's not something I've. I don't think I've ever heard before. Do you think of it? One of you lot, Wayne. I start with me. Yeah. All right then. Um, I mean, the vocal surprised me completely because I thought it was going to be instrumental. It, you know, totally, mm. totally. When she started singing, well, okay, that's that's something new. But yeah, I mean, the intro was it could be over like a Lloyd's Bank advert. You know what I mean? The the, the, the black horses running across the beach and then this playing over the top of it. You know that sort of thing. I love the the melancholic chorus and the images that it provokes. You know the the cavalry is falling. You know, puts me in mind of like the charge of the light brigade, that sort of thing, in slow motion. You know that that, that and I, you know anything cinematic, I, I really like. I'm really not sure about the drums and the bass coming in at all. I, 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 it it really threw me. I, I it, it didn't work for me because the song was moving along in that you know using the piano and the uh, the strings and the vocal all mixed together. It was lovely, and then they came in. I don't know, I don't know what it is. It just they just didn't sit right for me. That that's all. Um, but I'm not saying they were, but the, the strings almost sounded synth synth based. Possibly, possibly. I mean, great vocal, really, really nice song, uh, lyrically as well. Yeah, it's it's a, it's a decent, it's a nice song. Just just the, the bass and the throw me as well. Yeah, just the bass and the drums didn't work for me. That's all. Merriman. Yeah, so I thought it was great. Like the vocal is lovely. 
the, the actual like the sound of the voice is great. The the melody is wonderful. It was very reminiscent for me of uh, Regina Spector, like and her yeah. work. And I love Regina Spector. I think she's like what she does is great. And and and, and again, I enjoyed that song for for that, for that reason. And when you're saying when the bass came in, I feel like when you've got a song that is you know maybe two verses, three verses in, like with a chorus or whatever, and you're thinking. What can we do with it now? I think bass and drums is a way you can lift it towards the end. A song's got to elevate for me. Um, it can't, it can't quite repeat all the way through. So for me, I thought that was a, a necessary kind of movement in the song. Like, uh, uh, I'm, I'm with, not with disagreeing with you. I'm just saying elements. the, way they, the yeah. way they come in, the way they played, it didn't work for me. You know, it, it, no, no, I, I get that. Yeah. yeah, for me though, I thought it was necessary to kind of keep it kind of lifting and lifting. So, so I, I'd say it, it's a good song, you know, and and the lyric, like, like, like the vocal especially, is is great, uh, and I really enjoyed it in that respect. I agree with what you say. Said just about the drums, it was necessary to keep it flowing, and it kind of, you know, st- it kind it kind of s- stops it from being same. It, you know, separates the beginning from the separating. However, I don't think they used the right percussion. I think percussion was needed, maybe, but not that. Mm, possibly. Sounded too... You mean it, it probably could have done with a grander, a grander percussion, a grander scale? No. Maybe some like kettle drums in the back, like bringing like, a more powerful thunder to it. Mm. Type thing. Neil. For me, personally. Wow, <clears throat> I just thought—I uh, was completely blown away by, by everything with the song. Really, um, wasn't what I expected. Uh, exactly like uh, I think you said, Wayne, with the uh, particularly with the, the the bio which read out to begin with. I was expecting something instrumental, and I wasn't getting so much Lloyd's Bank advert. I mean, I was kind of thinking, sort of a, a very dramatic point at the the end of a film. Um, you know, kind of where. Uh, Sort of, re- you know, you get a film with like a really intense ending, maybe something like The Wicker Man or something like that, where the end is just completely left field and you're kind of reeling from it. Uh, and then that sort of comes in over the top and blends into the credits, or like the end of a Final Fantasy game. Or... You saying that makes me think of the Mortal Kombat film at the end when they used Halicon by uh, Orbital. Yeah, I mean, that, that kind of completely different film, but that kind of thing, you know, where there's something. This, it just flows into, or well, the end of the Matrix, maybe you know, it just flows into something. That's, that's a bad example, actually, because that would be more, that needs to be more intense. But you know, that, that kind of thing where it sort of seals something. And I'd be, I'd be happy to listen to that for five and a half minutes or whatever, to be honest. But then he kind of goes into the minute she starts singing, I was, I started paying attention. I was like, oh yeah, this is. Uh, and there was definitely a Celtic thing going on there. I, I agree with you on that. Which I love, um, but it kept that power and intensity. And I completely disagree with what you said about the, the bass, Wayne. I think that for me, the bass when it came in, it was like the, what was an incredible song has just been lifted into the stratosphere. It's just gone to somewhere I didn't expect it to go, but it's it's worked, and it's just taken it to a whole new level. I think. I just don't say anything negative about this song. I got one minor gripe, which is probably just me. There was a bit on the pre-chorus where I kind of kept expecting it to go into um, 
the Celine Dion song from Titanic. <laughs> I think there's a little bit of a chord progression that sort of like leads into near, far, wherever you are. I think, you know, and it, it kind of like, just, just on the pre-chorus, and it, that, that threw me every time. I kind of, it put me in mind of that song, and I, I didn't really want to go there at that point. There was a bit in it that threw me actually at the start when the drums first come in, and I end I'm sat on my con, and I ended up having to tap away to it because something didn't sound right, and it felt like that the drummer was drumming out of time in parts, and that I had to drum along to make sure that it was. But it sounded. But then, just as I started to tap in, everything seemed to come back into normal. So. I'd have to listen to it again, but it, it felt like he was out of time in, in like a couple of parts at the start uh, when it first came in. Did nobody else pick up on that? Mm. To be honest, I kind of phased out the drums, really. There was so much going on with the song, I, I didn't really notice the drums. Um, I, I, towards the end, I homed in on the bass. It may naturally. have been just a clever offbeat, but um, it sounded out of time to me. Oh, I loved it. Absolutely probably, loved it. Oh, I could be wrong. Probably wrong. I mean, they wanted to put it out time were they no. so yeah, yeah check out Lowly and Cavalry uh, Song Cavalry it'll be all in the show notes I dare say because Rich does stuff like that so yeah, it's, yeah. Uh, it's a, it was a good wild card and now yeah, we're sure I, I enjoyed it a lot very good and we all spent are we all done yeah next to the intense hardcore genre musical challenge mode go on the last episode cyber monday challenged myself to go and find the music of jingle and i have brought uh, jingle is exactly as it sounds uh, which is it's just music from uh, an advertising um you know an advertisement uh, using a slogan and using catchy music and whatnot and i have brought the music of uh, antonin dvorak which is symphony number no. nine from the new world better known as the hovis advert and going home which sounds a little bit like this So that was uh, Antonin Dvorak uh, with the song Symphony Number no. 9 from... Oh, sorry, the, the Symphony Number no. 9 from The New World. Um, all better known as the Hobbes advert going home from 1973. This is 
this was voted Britain's favourite TV advert. Um, I, I think about three times on the trot it's been voted as, as Britain's favourite TV advert. It's the reason why I brought it. Because it sort of doesn't fit in with the jingle, you know, like, like Toys R Us or, you know, things we spoke about on the last episode. But it is Britain's favourite advert. And, you know, it's advertising something. In this case, it's overspread. The little kid pushing the bike up the hill. As directed by... Ridley Scott, who is now Sir Ridley Scott, better known for Alien and Blade Runner and uh, Gladiator and all those films. So a little bit about advertising. Uh, advertising can be traced back to the Egyptians when merchants employed croyers who would call out uh, when ship, uh, merchant ships came into the harbour with new goods. So they'd walk around the streets and cry out about the new, the new goods. The first broadcast jingle was for Wheaties Best Breakfast in the Land and it was on Christmas Eve in 1926. The, the description really of a jingle is a, a jingle is an advertising slogan set against a memorable memory. Uh, melody which I mean going home is a memorable melody so I hope I've, I've, I've hit the mark with this one like I say it was voted Britain's favourite favourite TV ad uh, Dvorak who is the uh, the author of this song was a Czech composer and was one of the first to achieve uh, worldwide recognition and the, I mean the advert is about nostalgia and you know and Hovis using the going home and and pulling on all those saccharine heartstrings and saying you know do you remember when you used to go home and you got you know there was warm bread on the fire and all that sort of thing and their tagline for this is it's as good today as it's always been so yeah who wants to go first merriman go on then merriman i love this i absolutely love this advert i love the music and everything i think combined it's just absolute perfection for me it's like um the song itself is like just staring at a Lowry painting mm. and it just makes me think of the... It, it completely romanticises all that industrialization, like the Industrial Revolution of, of Britain and all that kind of stuff and it make it makes something that's quite grim, quite beautiful for me, this this piece of music. And I, I, can't, I can't say anything other than it is absolutely wonderful. <laughs> that what is, it evokes in my head is, is beautiful. That is fantastically uh, worded there, mate. That's, that's brilliant. Neil? Yeah, I, I, I didn't know what to say about it, but I think you just you just did it for us all, yeah. to be honest. <laughs> the, one thing the one thing I missed to say is, sorry, that the, um, that the song was arranged for brass for Ridley Scott's advert. Originally, I think it was on strings, and it sounds really weird on strings because you're used to hearing it on brass. So the first time I heard this song on strings, I was like, I'm not even sure if it's the right song. But yeah. Uh, so, uh, Rich or Neil? Neil. Okay, I'll go next. Um, now, I'll be the first to to admit um, that I've um, I've been way off with a couple of these genre challenges. Um, classic example of in my most recent um, uh, house music. Was to bring house and I completely music. House. I, I I didn't understand house at all, and I still don't. I'll, I'll happily admit that, um, but I I struggle. I don't take away from anything. Moment said it's a great piece of music, but I struggle to take this as jingle. It, it's a piece of classical music. When it was written by Dvorak in you know 160 years ago or whatever, I'm sure he didn't envision a Hobie's uh, <laughs> a Hobie's loaf. You know, it for me. You know, the challenge is all about the music. And a, a jingle is something that's being created to advertise something. Maybe not, but that, 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 that's my interpretation of a jingle. You mentioned the Toys R Us 
theme. I mean, that, that is a that's all that you're bitter. Jingle, that's all you're you know? bitter about because I didn't bring the Toys R Us theme. That's all you're bitter about. The Toys R Us. <laughs> there's, uh, I mean, I, you know, I've got it, ever since this, I've been going through. I mean, I, I, to be honest, I, 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 you know, it is very emotive. It is very powerful, but it's a little bit dull as well. Um, there's uh, <laughs> there's lo- loads loads of more catchy jingles I can think of. The five four three two one advert. There's um, the Toys R Us we've mentioned. Club. Get out, oh, I've got, got back club. On your biscuit, join our club. Ooh, bite a light. That's right. <laughs> You know, it's like there's so many. Um, I've been trying to give it up one of those nights. Ah, whites. That's it. Uh, the key, the key advert. Oh fuck you me. know. Congo um, bongo, they drink it in the junk Congo. That's the one. You know, oh, the, the, God. From the eighties, the flake advert. I think I had my first wank to that. Hold on, hold on. The flake advert. No, 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 no. That's a piece of jazz music done. Is it? Uh, um. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, Neil's blurring the lines. Yeah, so much nostalgia. Um, my personal favourite um, ad- advertising jingle, which I think was created for that advert, was, uh, does anybody remember the Marston's beer ad- advert? John Marston's. Did they like John Marston? John who? Great Victorian. Great oh. Brokey Mortis Marston's, the finest brew from Gasavoke. Brewed until the present day, definitely the finest beer in all the land. You should definitely do a cover of that, Merriman. Yeah, <laughs> yeah well, I, I'm, I'm, I'm convinced almost instantaneously about what you're doing. See, see, I understand what you're saying, Neil, and to be honest, I've, I've, I've you know, conflicting thoughts. But this Green is- Giant! This yes. has been voted the, you know, the Brit- Britain's favourite TV advert like five times, and and but it doesn't like, contain a jingle. Um, I mean, not not not, not all adverts contain a jingle. Well, it didn't cross my mind at all. This contains a piece right. of classical music. It does right. contain a jingle because "Going Home" no, is not the name of the song. "Going Home" was because of Hovind. So you so you changed the name of the song and called it a jingle. <laughs> I'm just saying. Look, look. I'm I'm not I'm not disagreeing with. The British public. It was. It was in the Independent. It was in the Guardian, and it was a Channel Four uh, like countdown as well. This is Britain's favourite TV advert. I mean, I mean I, the, I, I'm an expert in getting genre challenges wrong. You know, I, I know what I'm talking about. I don't. I don't think I've missed the mark. I'm not going to disagree with you and saying this isn't the best one, but I haven't missed the mark. You know, it is a TV advert. So yeah, but Rich, a, t- a, t- a TV advert without a jingle. It didn't even cross my mind what Neil said, but uh, now that he's he's put it forth, he's right. It, it isn't a jingle, but um, nevertheless, you it, it it's still a great piece of music. It's it's, it's what it's a hymn. Is it a hymn? It sounds like a hymn that you'd sing it's in a the symphony? church, or like, it sounds like a hymn. Um, it's a nice piece of music though. Like it, it's, it's all about the advert though, isn't it? Really, uh, it's not really. It's, 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 yeah, it is a fantastic classic classic piece of uh, British advertising, that was. And um, I think it went for a long time, because, I mean, what, when, when, when was it released? 1973. I still rem- I, I remember seeing that on TV, and I wasn't born until 1980. Is, is the test, right? I'm going to agree with you. It's not, it hasn't I, got a I think it's been is. revived a few times yeah. over the years. Yeah, I'd imagine. Yeah. The BFI have restored the original, um, the original uh, ad- advert as well. That, that's sort of how cultural uh, and how appropriate it is. What I'm going to say to you is, when you hear those notes, na, 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 do you think of Hovis and do you think of that kid pushing that bike up the hill? No. No. Oh, see, I do. Yes, absolutely. So there you I go. Think... Two against two. Yeah, but uh, 
I think. Where have I heard that piece of music before? <laughs> well, anyway, that that could be construed as the jingle right there because I, I didn't know I didn't know it was by uh, Antonin uh, Vorak till till I, I looked at it, you know, for this. I didn't even know it was a, a classical piece of music. I just thought it was for the Hobbes advert until I looked it up. Just one other thing, Wayne. Were you influenced by the fact it was directed by Ridley Scott? Uh, I didn't know it was directed by Ridley Scott, so I decided to look this up. Uh, and then when I saw that, I thought, well, that's got to, I've got to take that now, haven't I? You know, it was either that or R. White's, because R. White's was written by uh, Elvis Costello's dad. So it was either one of those two. So they were I the suppose, two. Let's put, let's put it into context, you know, what I was saying about it not being a jingle. So the last, um, last year's John Lewis advert used a cover version of uh, I Can't Fight the Feeling. That isn't a jingle. All all of the John Lewis ones, they just use anemic cover versions. You know, you forget yeah, them the exactly year later. But, in, but, in, but how is this any different? It's a cover of a classical piece of music. Uh, do you actually cover a classical <laughs> piece of music, though? There's an, a whole debate there, Neil. Do you cover it or do you just play a classical piece of music? Do you know what I mean? Because it's the same about a cover. Well, so this, I agree, this is a cover of a, a classical piece of music because they've changed the arrangement. But if you cover a classical piece of music as an orchestra, are you covering it or are you just playing it? Because it's exactly the same arrangement. Oh, that's too much for a, that's oh, too is, much for is, a Tuesday is this night. Been, has this been changed for the advert? Yeah, yeah, they put brass in. in so this. this was created especially for the advert. Well, in the, in yeah. the same way that the version of "I Can't Fight the Feeling" was created was was created for the John Lewis yeah, advert. No. It, it's exactly the same. You're taking you're taking a piece of music and playing it with, di- with different instruments and a different arrangement. We're, we're going off on a complete other tangent here. No, completely. So, anyway, that that was the song I brought. Half and half. I think it is a jingle, and so does Merriman. Richard Neil don't think it's a jingle, um, and the British public do. So, glean from that. No, the British <laughs> public think it's a great advert. They, they say it's the greatest that advert make of it all a time. And the the clue in the, yeah, in, the, the in there, Neil, is advert. It's an advert. Yeah, but there's no there's no, there's no reason. I didn't grill you this much when you fucked up on house. You know what I mean? <laughs> I think, I think you did. I didn't know. I just said this isn't house. Neil, you haven't brought house. You said you said you're so far off the mark. You might as well have bought some uh, crust punk. I did. <laughs> I did. But I didn't grill you. I just said you were wrong. <laughs> right. Anyway, let's move on to the next challenge. See how we can fuck this one up. That's going to need some editing. That is Wayne. That's all right. Oh, fuck. I don't. I don't edit anymore. What you've had in the last one is just that as it comes out. <laughs> so we we need a letter from you, Merriman. Any letter between A to Z? Um, M. M. Right. Who is it for next time? Is it for? It's Neil yeah, again, isn't I it? Think. I'll probably get it wrong. It's Neil, isn't it? Right. We have got. Boatloads. Give me a number between... Oh, God, there is loads of M's. One and 500. Jesus, there is loads. There's like three, what, four pages of M's. Do you, you want to do a second letter? Pick a pa- pick a number of pages. Let's say, like, if there's five pages, pick a number from one to five and then pick a number within the page. So how many pages is there? Four. Okay, one to four. Three. Three, okay. Give me a number between one and, uh, say, 30, 30. One and 30. 21. Oh, are you going another one, Neil? Minimal trance is your next. Is the uh, the challenge for the next episode? Great. Minimal so trance is a post punk. Is a fusion yeah. of psychedelic trance and minimal music. I think you might enjoy that, mate. I might do. Yeah, fusion of psychedelic trance and minimal music. Minimal trance. So that's what Neil's so going to be bringing the, on the, the next Hugo's episode. The of the trance world. Mm. Mm. Right. Mm. So now we're all finished with the intense hardcore genre musical challenge mode. We shall go. We shall now move on to the artist spotlight.
Right, so we move on to the artist spotlight in the final section of the show, and it's all about our special guest, Merriman. So, how are you, Merriman? Yeah, I'm good, Tom. Thank good, you. good. You've been with us all night, and I've just finally didn't bother to ask you how you are. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've been terrible until, up until this point. Oh, sorry, I should have I'm asked you. I'm glad you've asked me now. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> so, um, what's what's music life like for Merriman at this moment in time? Obviously, with uh, we're, we're recording this still in the the cusp of a. a Restrictions have been lifted a little bit. You know, we've got regional lockdowns and things like that. So, what's musical life like for Merriman at the moment? Yeah, so well, it's not what I planned really. I'd, I'd planned to kind of just like uh, hammer loads of gigs over the summer and, and just go with that. But instead, what I've actually done is I've written a load of songs and I've started recording them at home. And uh, I'm, I'm I'm nine songs into an album now, just like home recording wise, which wasn't my plan. At the end of the day, like 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 recording nine songs, I'm I'm pretty pleased with. So. Yeah, it's productive. Um, I'm happy with it. I'm, I'm doing loads of stuff, but but just not what I planned. Yeah, this is this is good to hear. We had um, a guy called Simon Monday on the last show, and he's done exactly the same. He's took this, you know, time, this sort of enforced time at home to be more creative and and, and use the time to write songs. So that, that's 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 good. I mean, how do you normally, uh, you know, come up with your material? Is it is it like on on an organic scale? Is it you know, do you record with a band, or do you rehearse with a band, or is it just on your own? Well, I, I do everything on my own because um, I, I see it as a really good kind of hobby, really, to, to, to kind of balance myself out and generally with life. And I found at the start of like the lockdown, like March time, I found it incredibly hard to write because I'd gone from working and I, and I realised that a lot of my inspiration came from that kind of day-to-day interaction with people, to not working and then being at home and. I had like a real fallow period, but then I just I just started looking for niche things to write about, <laughs> and did a lot more research into what I was writing about, and and suddenly I I found myself writing a lot of songs quite rapidly. I like I wrote about forty to fifty songs. Um, like you're talking like after March, like April May time, I just wrote wrote and wrote and wrote and wrote songs. So I've picked my favourite like thirty out now, and I've just started putting them down. But yeah, I mean I don't normally rehearse with the banks i don't I, I normally play just like as a solo performer so what i've actually done is i've just spent loads of time listening to music and the kind of things that i want to replicate or take influence from or pinch an idea from and then recording wise because because i've got absolutely no pressure as to when i need to release something i can record something bin it record something else bin that record it again and just like tweak it so i've actually got some songs that I've just, I can just play around with them until I'm, I'm happy with how they sound. So you were saying you've been listening to lots of uh, music during lockdown. What's, what's been your favourite album during lockdown then? Um, well, I mean, I mean, that's a massive question. But but actually what I've listened to probably more than anything else is, is 60s music. I've listened to a lot of like Dionne Warwick and uh, Dusty Springfield. And I've really enjoyed a bit of that kind of like um, the cowboy ballads of the late 50s bit of Elvis in there, um, lots of kinks. So so I've not I've not actually sought out anything particularly new, actually, because I, I wanted to go back to the kind of things that have really influenced me over my entire life of, like, uh, being a music geek. And I've really sought out those things that I really like. Like, I've listened to some kind of really niche throwaway 70s pop and lots of playlisting as well, so I've made lots and lots of playlists. So, yeah, I, I haven't actually sought out... I, I, I've listened to some new stuff through, like, well, well what, what are the, whatever the algorithms throw at me. Uh-huh. Um, 
the weekly, I've enjoyed new stuff from artists that I follow. Really, I've, I've really gone back to 50s and 60s stuff because I know that, that that's where a lot of my love lies. A lot of Scott Walker. Scott Walker's been... Yeah, he's great. More than anyone else, I've listened to Scott Walker, I think. Yeah, you said Dusty Springfield. I was listening to... Um, is it This Is Dusty, I think it's called? From, like, 1965 or something like that. I had that album on the other week. That is incredible. For the for the time yeah. and, and you know for the production I mean mo, you know the most she nails the, the yeah. vocal Absolutely, every yeah. time Dusty in Memphis oh she just yeah. kills it every time it's, it is fantastic so we I mean you're, you're you're talking about niche we had you on the B side and you you had a song that we played which was called Brown Sauce and for anybody <laughs> yeah. who doesn't live in the UK that song is pretty much lost on the, any anybody I mean especially in like the, the Americas or yeah. And, and what a Europe. shame for them. Yeah, absolutely. What a, what, a, what a damn shame for them, exactly. <laughs> for their day-to-day life, what a shame. And then and then the song you bring you today... they got barbecue is... sauce. That's the closest. It's near like brown sauce, really? though, is it, yeah. Neil? You know what I mean? You're not going to put barbecue nah. sauce on a, on a full English breakfast, are you? You know what I mean? Unless no, you're right. a pair of binoculars, it might look the same, but <laughs> it's nothing. It's nothing. And, and obviously, you bring in, uh, the song you're bringing today, which is Blue Rinse Brigade, so, so these songs are, are about niche subjects. So w- why, what took you in that path? What took you down that road where you decided, I don't want to write about love, I don't want to write love songs in a conventional manner. I don't want to write you know, inspirational songs in a conventional manner. I'm going to write songs about very niche subjects. What, what, what light bulb moment did you have? Well, I've done it for a few years. Like, I mean, I've been in bands since I was 16, 17, and I was writing about love and being rock and roll and nights out and all that kind of stuff. And I got to a point where I'd done it. I'd written about that and I decided that I was going to go and write about the tiny things that really make me who I am. So, you know, aunties and uncles and the parks that I went to when I was a kid and the things that I look at when I'm driving or stuck in stuck in traffic around Stoke-on-Trent. And I, I figured it's time to stop pretending what like like I almost feel like what I was writing about was almost superficial and I thought you know what makes a person a person are those tiny little details that no one even says a word about and I thought I'm going to start writing those songs for me because it's it's almost cataloging where my mind's at yeah there's a there's a sort of folk honesty about that i, I find you know you even say we were talking about um you mentioned bob dylan earlier you know in a strange sort of way there's a comparison there between between the two of you obviously you know he's singing about the vietnam war but in, in a sort of earnest way and you're singing about brown sauce things that impact your life <laughs> but yeah there is, there is a strange <laughs> sort of cross-line comparison there uh, very good so uh, when is Blue Rinse Brigade out well it's out now so so Blue Rinse Brigade was on a little EP that I did at the start of lockdown because I didn't know what I was going to do with my time and my plans were kind of thrown into the air I just, thought, I just sat down in my little room and just I just bashed out six songs acoustically that I've been playing for years I just thought I'm going to stick them on an EP I'm going to do no pretense I'm going to put acoustic guitar vocal and possibly harmonica on each song I'm just going to put it out there and what I did was, I put it out for a quid on Bandcamp. And I said, anything I raise, I'll stick to the... Like, there's a local hospice near me. And I just thought I'd just send all the money to them. Like, I just I just didn't know what to do with, with my time as a, a songwriter. And, and that turned out to be a really productive way to kind of start lockdown before I actually dropped into this neat, this like a groove of writing. So that, that's where it comes from. It's not new for me. It's one of my 
it's actually one of the first songs that I wrote as Merriman. It's, it's like in the first like two or three songs that I actually wrote. It's so, been sticking yeah, around so for it's ages. One of your, your first ones, but one of the most like later releases, almost. Yeah. Is, is there somebody in mind that you wrote this song about? A like family member? It's or? my great auntie. Oh, bless. Yeah, so it's my so so um, my great auntie Vi says so. Um, like, I mean, if you listen to Merriman's stuff, you'll see that all my stuff's about Stoke on Trent and where I'm from. My great auntie Vi was one of um, so so. I've got my me, me, me grandmother, so my dad's mum. She had seven sisters, like a, ma- like a massive family. One of them was my great auntie Vi, and she was married to the mayor of one of the towns in Stoke-on-Trent. And she was just, she was one of those quintessential little old ladies who was about four foot tall. Absolute gravitas when you speak to her. Always gave you a quid to spend in the shop and all that. And and she lived on the, she always strikes me really when I think about it now as an adult. She lived in a flat above about seven or eight shops. Like her flat could have been a bowling alley. It was so long. It's like room after room after room. She like owned all these shops. It was it's amazing. At the time, I never thought about it as a kid, but now I look back on it and think, what an incredible space to live in. So so it's just about her and like, and I I kind of feel like loads of people can resonate. This like this idea resonates with lots of people. This idea of this little old lady in life who's really generous and caring and listens to you and just plays with you and all that kind of stuff. So it's just about that. I, I really I really like the line in in the song. Uh, I'm not doing this verbatim, by the way. I'm, I'm paraphrasing. Um, the line where it used to be a, a hellraiser in your youth, and that sort of faded away. <laughs> I, I, there's such a, it's, it's, you know, it's, it's very poignant because I think it comes to all of us. You know, we've all, you know, been into things when we were kids. And, and you, you can't look at someone like your great, your great aunt. Like when you look at, you look at, you think you, you know, she's just like butter wouldn't melt. But when you look at pictures of her when she's a kid and she's at those dances in the 50s and the 40s and you think, you know, she's a bit of a looker, really. But but you can't get that perspective, can you, when it's your great aunt? Of course you can't, <laughs> uh, Lads, uh, have, have I missed anything? You want to you add anything? You want to ask any, uh, Merriman anything? No, it's pretty much covered it. The only thing I'd say uh, with, with regards to the song uh, you mentioned about, uh, you know, a Bob Dylan comparison earlier, there, there was very much of a Bob Dylan-esque harmonica going on in it, which, which I loved. Well, I, I, I like to play solo when I put, like, a lot of the stuff I record, like, in my albums, I put bass and drums and all kinds of stuff on, because I just like doing it. But when I play live, it is guitar, me, and harmonica, and sometimes I'd like to do some kind of kick drum thing. So that the Dylan thing, it just come. I mean, I did binge on Dylan, like you know, early yeah, noughties. Absolutely binge on him. And the early stuff that I did with other bands was very Dylan esque. But it's just the harmonica is just it, it's such a great trick because people think you can play another instrument, but but the harmonica, if you're playing a song in C and you have a C harmonica and just blow, it, <laughs> it works. You know, you just you're absolutely tricking people into thinking there's a third instrument you're playing. It does just lift, do it, lift the song and add another dimension. And yeah, but to all it. you're doing is breathing, and <laughs> and, and people are like, oh, another instrument. You're just mugging people off, really, to think you're some kind of like uh, instrumentalist, and you're not. It just it just lifts the song without any kind of effort. <laughs> Brilliant. And on that bombshell, we are we are at the end of the show. So I just want to say thanks to Miriam for, for joining us. Uh, it's been a pleasure, mate. Thanks, thanks yeah, for thanks for having on. me. It's been good fun, yeah. Very yeah, good. Thanks, Miriam. Uh, on the next episode, with Rich running, running away with the head-to-head, he's, he's on 10 now. We will do the head-to-head, as always. We'll do the wild card. The intense hardcore genre musical challenge will be brought by Neil, which is minimalist trance. 
Uh, our special guest for the episode will be Robert Connolly Farr. He'll be the artist spotlight. Come and join us. When, as always, it'll just be the same old, you know, rambling nonsense. And we'll have some really nice tunes for you to listen to. Sell it, Wayne. Sell it. <clears throat> sell it, sell it. Well, that's the way to sell it, isn't it? If they've come this far, then rambling they're going to come nonsense. again. <laughs> so, uh, so, yeah. Where was Robert Connolly Farr from? Oh, Central America. No, Chicago ish way, I think. Can't remember. It's been a while. I think it was like January when I interviewed him. His it's, music's really good, though. He's, he's, a, he's a nice fellow to chat to as well. So come along for that. You can find all the the songs and all the people who we talked about tonight in the show notes. You can find us everywhere. Tell them where they can find us, Rich. Spotify, Spreaker, iTunes, TuneIn, iHeartRadio, Podcast Addict, Podbean. Pod Chaser, anything with a pod in, anywhere you find podcasts, YouTube, SoundCloud, everywhere. Yeah. iTunes, go, go on iTunes, give us a rating, please, on iTunes, because that means more to us than money. If you give us a rating on iTunes, it means we can get the podcast out, if we can get the podcast out, we can get the artists out, and that is what this is about. Absolutely. Follow, I'll follow tell you me. what, actually, it's a challenge for you. Pause this podcast now. Go away. If you can go onto iTunes and leave us a five-star review in less than 30 seconds, you will have seven years' amazing luck. Yeah. <laughs> go away now. It works. Press pause. <laughs> go away now. Give us a rate, and then you can come back and listen to us say goodbye. For the last 30 seconds, <laughs> by all means, do that. <laughs> um, yeah, so... Uh... You go and uh, give us a like on Facebook so, and, and Twitter and all the rest of it and uh, check out Merriam as well uh, where can they find you Merriman www.yhhtmpc they can't find Merriman there where can they find Merriam <laughs> <laughs> don't know so Merriman <laughs> you can find Merriman everywhere like online really so the best thing to do is search Merriman which is Mary M apostrophe N but like I'm talking Facebook Twitter, Instagram, and then if you want to hear the music it, like directly, then you've got Spotify, I'm on Amazon, YouTube. I mean, anywhere, really. If you just Google me and, and whatever you want to consume your music on, I'm there. Excellent. Okay, so so we are at the end. So um, all that's left to say is that uh, I've been Wayne. I've been Rich. I've been Neil. And he's been... Uh, Merriman, yeah, that's me. <laughs> Thank you for listening. If indeed. You still are. Goodbye. Goodbye. See ya. <laughs> To be a hellraiser would make her mother cry. Always boarded in too late, but never wondered why. But the father would go spare at the things she used to wear. The way she'd flash her eyes, the way she'd set her hair. But those nights on the tiles are photographs that fade. She's a member of the Blue Ricks Brigade. Pays with the exact change, no matter what the price. Carries enough coins to park in Hanley overnight. Carries enough coins for all extended family. To fill up all their pockets and walk beneath the sea. Oh, she barely thinks about herself, but ask her about your day. She's a member of the Blue Ridge Brigade.
gone on another drizzly Saturday. Ties him not beneath her chin and checks the road both ways. Points out to the others a sorry looking old cafe. Puts her back between her feet and a smile across her face. Cause there's never any miver, and there's plenty to say when you're a member of the Blue Ritz Brigade. Help Jews in Poverty at HelpJewsNow.org Your $25 gift today will help provide a life-saving food box to Jews in need. Be a blessing right now. Visit HelpJewsNow.org That's HelpJewsNow.org Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ. The future isn't scary, not realizing its potential, however, could be. Just like on the recruiting trail, I've seen potential come in many forms as a coach. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more, with Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. The secret to summer-ready skin is here. Osea's number one best-selling Andaria Algae Body Oil, clinically proven to instantly improve skin elasticity and transform dry skin to silky, soft, and unbelievably glowing. Its signature scent of freshly squeezed grapefruit, cypress, and mango mandarin transports you to sun-kissed summer days. Get healthy, glowing skin for summer with clean, vegan skincare from Osea. Get 10% off your first order site-wide with code GLOW at OseaMalibu.com.